Philip, a friend of horses. Seriously, that's the meaning of the name. I should know because that's my name. But Philip in the Bible was more than just his name. He was the one who, when confronted with bias and prejudice, didn't argue his point. He just said, come and see. It was more about introducing God than defending him. He was the kind of missionary that would go where God wanted and meet a foreigner just to share the gospel, knowing that the Holy Spirit would do the baptizing. Philip, a friend of horses perhaps, but a true friend of the goodness that is Jesus. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Well, I've been looking forward to this lesson for quite a while. <laughs> it's kind of understandable. <laughs> um, so I'm very pleased that the, all four of us are here to discuss this lesson. So why don't I have you guys introduce yourselves and tell maybe something about you that not everybody knows. Um, my name is Studi, and if you can guess, I am from India. <laughs> Hopefully you would know that by now. <laughs> now we know it for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, hi, my name is Eric. And uh, something that not everyone knows about me is that I'm actually Brazilian, even, even though my complexion says otherwise. <laughs> oh, mercy. My name is Danny, and um, something interesting is when people ask me where I'm from, I don't really have an answer because we've lived so many different places that I don't feel like I have a home home. Aww. So wherever I'm at, the, like this is home right now. <laughs> so that's, yeah. Well, welcome home. <laughs> uh, so you, my name is Phil and you, you already know my name and what it means. So I'll just tell you that my middle name is French. That's my fun fact. So Eric, if you don't mind starting us off with scripture and prayer. All right. Uh, we'll be reading from Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you shall receive power, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us here today to discuss the story of Philip here with Phil. And, um, you know, just give us your blessing, give us your insight, and... Help us to really like understand what you're trying to tell us through this story. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Well, I think it's true what they say. We've never met a Philip that we don't like. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> that's a saying. <laughs> uh, but in reading this and learning about Philip the missionary, I've really gotten to like him. And it was something mm. that he doesn't seem to be a powerful figure that's really well known in the New Testament. Mm. But in getting to know him, uh, it's pretty amazing what, he, what God used him to do. Yeah. So before we get into further details, let's just kind of go over who was Philip? He was a missionary <laughs> that we know little about, but I think he was very prevalent. Like you see his name here and there, but you don't really know, like it doesn't describe like this is where he was from, this is where he lived, this is exactly all of his family. You know, we don't have those genealogies like we have for other other people, but I think he was a mighty tool for God. Like you said, he's not mentioned that much, but yes, he was very influential in, in terms of what he did and what he wanted us to know in terms of what God wants us to do. And I think it's, it's a good idea to clarify that there are a few Phillips that are mentioned in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Philip, this Philip was not the disciple. Mm 
Otherwise, it would have explained to the reader that this was Philip the disciple. Yeah. And there were also some Philips that were in the royal household mm -hmm. um, that this is not them. This is a Philip that kind of came into the picture and was part of the early church mm -hmm. and really used his kind of like, I guess, what he had in order to share God with other people, mm -hmm. which is what gets really powerful. And I think it's um, the Bible mentions him as Philip the Evangelist. Yeah. And what I pictured was this Philip guy walking down and wherever he, whatever he was doing, wherever he went, you know, he was ministering to other people. And I think that's, you know, a powerful thing because that tells you a lot about who he was, his character, his, his beliefs, because he ministered as he lived life. He didn't have this stage where he was a missionary. You know, that was Philip the Evangelist. If I went to the grocery store, then he, <laughs> yeah. just, he went down the road. If he went to someone's house, you know, it was a, he was a blessing. And you're actually answering my question before I even ask it. So I'm impressed. You've, you got this ability. That, <laughs> so I want to ask and, and start off this discussion. What would you say are the primary lessons that we may take away from the study of the life and ministry of Philip? And I feel like you really touched on some really good points that, you know, he was known as the evangelist. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. he did. Mm -hmm. And it's not even kind of like, you know, we all have our jobs or we're students or these titles that we kind of choose for ourselves. But I feel like, like you were saying, like this was something that he did. Mm -hmm. This was his lifestyle. Wherever Phil went, Philip went, <laughs> he, he was the evangelist. Mm -hmm. It's good you're putting yourself in his position. <laughs> <laughs> Phil and I are close. <laughs> I'm going to be expecting this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very interesting the way that the story is because he's just walking and, and he meets someone. He meets a eunuch, someone who usually a eunuch would have power because that was the reason, the reason they became a eunuch was so that they could be in a position of power. Mm. They wouldn't, like, interfere with the king's wife. Uh, so this guy was definitely wealthy, uh, sitting on a chariot, and he, he, was re he was just reading the scripture, and it happened to be apparently something that Philip knew very well. Um, and, you know, Philip just starts talking to him. He doesn't even, like, bother, like, hey, man, uh, who are you? Are you a Jew or a Gentile? He just starts going into it. Like, wow, that's cool. I know what that is, and I'm going to share it with you. And within a few hours, the guy is baptized and mm. on his way home. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's just, that's wow. Like, that's amazing. All, out, right out of the blue, on the spot. And Eric, I think something that's, you know, a part of who Philip was that can add to this is, um, I think there's a verse in the Bible that says, be, re be in, is it in season and out of season. Something like, you know, something about being ready at all times, mm. you know, to be a witness for God. And I think that's who Philip was. That was fully who Philip was, you know, in season, out of season, on the spot, at a pulpit, you know, in his home, he was always ready. Yeah. I don't know a person who does the exact same thing. My brother, he always carries those pocketbooks, those small, um, I don't know, what do you call them? Let's clarify what a pocketbook is here well, so that the, there's no misunderstanding. Uh, the, <laughs> the evangelistic, is it a little track? Yeah, the tracks, the okay. tracks, yes, those. He always has them in his hand. And in his bag, he carries a really big backpack. Um, he always has them. And wherever he goes, wherever he gets the opportunity, grocery stores, that's the mm. cashier, and everywhere, they'll just hand one. Just pass it on. Just give, you know, who knows what it could do. But he doesn't stop from doing what he can do mm. in order to spread the gospel. Just little, these little tiny things. 
and a good trick to do. Yeah. <laughs> you go if you go um, shoe shopping is to stick one in the yeah. shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so the next person who tries it on <laughs> will find it. I That's never good. would have thought of that. <laughs> we don't go shoe That's shopping. Good. <laughs> yeah, you do. Where are those you know, from? If it was witnessing, maybe I'd do it more. Nah. Maybe. You know, one thing Cortex. that I like about Philip is that it says that he, it seems like he was very connected to the spirit and to God and mm. really kind of spent his time communing with God. And it was, it says that he was led by the spirit to this eunuch, to, to this area on the, on the road where he'd run into this eunuch. And I feel like that's, mm. that's a powerful thing, kind of like a, a reminder for us throughout our lives to be ready because, you know, who knows what God will communicate with us mm. of where he wants us to go or how he wants to use us. That's right. That's and true. think about the power. After he followed God's leading, mm. here was someone that was baptized. Wow. And I think we forget how people around us may be, like, thirsting. I think in the church we have, um, it's like, it's kind of like you're on a raft, and there's an ocean all around you, and you're dying of thirst. And I think that's how a lot of people feel in the church. You know, we have so much water, we have so much light, but there's people even beside us who are like thirsting and they're mm -hmm. like, I don't get why you're so excited about religious things. I don't get why mm -hmm. you're so excited about God. You know, mm -hmm. I'm thirsting, I'm like parched. But, and I think Philip knew that. And I think he was always ready to be a blessing to anyone, to everyone right who was around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he could kind of see, or I, I don't know, I'm sure it was like through the Holy Spirit, but he was ready to be, you know, a light to whoever. Didn't have to be. You know, that, that's kind of interesting for me because I'm, I'm somewhat of an introvert, honestly. Like, talking to strangers isn't my first or second or even third <laughs> on my list of things that are, I like to do. <laughs> but, you know, he, he definitely just went into it. He went into it, and I wish I could too. I really do. That's, that's in, it's just weird for an introvert for me, like a stranger, guy you don't know. He's a, he's a eunuch. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that probably held somewhat of a negative connotation for Jewish culture because mm -hmm. they were very like stark uh, about things. So, mm -hmm. But you know, I almost feel like the eunuch without welcoming him, him in, welcomed him in because he was mm -hmm. sitting there in his chariot carriage um, reading what I think is Isaiah, mm -hmm. reading the scriptures. And I feel like, like Philip was kind of standing there, wherever Philip was, he's thinking, I recognize that. Right. Like that's, that sounds really familiar. And mm -hmm. so he runs up and he's like, like, this is really cool. And I, I almost feel like he's like, wow, you're reading the scriptures. I love the scriptures too. <laughs> but, but do you get it? Like, mm. and I, I would almost see that maybe he had this bewildered excuse me, bewildered face on his, or look on his face. And maybe Philip saw like, like he's reading it, but he's just not grasping what, mm -hmm. what I've found in it. So maybe I can help him find it. Wow. And yeah. so I feel like, you know, uh, it doesn't seem like Philip was an introvert at all. No. But I feel like there was almost a situation where like it was just easy. Mm -hmm. Kind of, it wasn't a stark thing of just running up to some random person but it was more along the lines of like, this guy's, I can see that he's trying. Mm. So let me help him out a little mm. bit more. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Wow, and I think a little side lesson that we can learn from that is we can't um, feed others unless we have food and unless we're fed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think- Very true. Philip 
you know, he had that experience with the Bible. He had that experience with Christ, and he knew what the verse was talking about. He knew Christ, you know, and I think that's how he was able to share him because he knew him. So how would you, and just to explain it to any viewers that that, that might sound kind of foreign, like feeding himself and feeding others, what do you mean by that? Okay, well, um, let's say I had to share a personal testimony or my testimony of how you know God has found me or how my life has changed since I've met Christ and if I'm expected to share this wonderful story when in reality that hasn't happened to me how are other people going to be you know blessed relatable. or how, how are they sorry relatable really exactly how, relatable or how they you know it doesn't make sense if I I can't be um, I can't try to win souls if I am totally you know far off and I don't know and I'm just I don't know anything about God and yeah. you know and I think that's a big problem and yeah. I, I don't want to cast judgment on anybody but I feel like there are a lot of people that they might not have that connection they may not be tied into God or connected or, or really experiencing God but yet they feel that they need to share it and so it's just kind of like an empty Ooh. missionary field I mean mm. I think it goes both ways I think it goes both I mean even if you're you're trying to tell someone and you're trying to tell them what you want them to know but then they're cold about it they're withdrawing withdrawing from whatever you're trying to do and I think it goes both ways in both terms mm. something my mom told me that I thought was interesting she said Danny I think the missionary the mission field was more for me than I was for the mission mm. field so I think while sharing about God that it it helps you to realize your need yeah. to be filled with yeah. God and to be filled with yeah. the Holy Spirit and to you know to know your stuff mm -hmm. and because that's how you share it's like this this perfect back and forth kind of thing like you share and then you feel your need to be fed again and then you go share it's like it's like a it's like a water jug you know you can't um, you can't be refilled unless you give yeah. kind of yeah. like that. I like that good, good one yeah well getting back to Philip and the early church we see and we kind of learn about Philip early on in Acts. And there's kind of a, uh, what would I say, kind of a, a challenge that came up in Acts chapter 6. Mm -hmm. um, so let's turn to chapter 6. What happened as reported in Acts chapter 6 that clearly showed that there are still fallible human beings? Because we have this mm. idea that the church is kind of this perfect. picturesque, yeah. perfect church where everybody was doing everything perfectly. Mm. They loved each other. They shared their, their resources with each other. Everybody was happy and loved it. <laughs> but it wasn't perfect. And I think if mm. we have that viewpoint of the church, we're giving the wrong viewpoint. So what was it that happened in chapter 6? I think there was an issue with... Um, something being unfair like not everyone the Hellenists weren't getting you know what they needed and the widows weren't being fed just like everybody else and there was a little issue where you know they weren't being taken care of like they should mm -hmm. and so I think um, that shows that you know we're not perfect and it's not like all the apostles and the disciples knew and they paid attention to everybody they might they failed I'm sure they failed. I'm sure they might have you know missed a person walking down the road but you know that's God can help us with our mistakes. He can teach us. You know, right here in, uh, in chapter 6, verse 2, uh, it says, the Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That is not a good thing to say. <laughs> they're, they're just saying, like, hey, man, we're, we're spreading the gospel. We don't have time for this. 
why doesn't someone else do it? I think, I believe one of the versions that I read, it's NASB, it says it's not desirable that we should um, neglect to preach the Word of God. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, but neglect to preach the Word of God to serve tables. So it's not like they didn't want to um, serve tables, but I think they said, if we're always serving tables and the Word of God won't be spread, you know, so there's this balance. We need people here and we need people there. That's interesting. And I think actually I'm going to agree with you because I feel like they felt that it was very important mm -hmm. and they chose specifically people that they felt were really connected to God, mm -hmm. that had a heart for ministry, and they chose them to take care of the, right. the yeah. widows. Yeah. Right. But I agree with you in that it yeah. sounds very harsh. And it <laughs> sounds kind of like... The first time I read that, that's <laughs> what I thought too. It's like, we're doing this up here. We don't want to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but from this, I think it's very interesting because Philip was one of those that was chosen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, I think it's a good idea for people to kind of humble themselves. And I don't think that Philip needed to humble himself necessarily. But I feel like this was kind of, let's say, more of a menial task than going out and preaching to the masses. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of look at, at this as, you know, Philip was chosen because he had a connection to God and, and was a godly person. And from here, he learned about caring for others maybe, or he learned maybe more of a desire to take people, take care of people and help them. Mm. And then from there, maybe God used him for the next step as he became more and more of an evangelist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's right on. Now, we see later in uh, Phil's life that Phil has four daughters. Mm -hmm. So Phil has become a family man. <laughs> he, <laughs> he has continued as an evangelist but decided that he wanted to be a family man so he was the father of four daughters how and I guess from the lessons that we learned from him how should we balance our priority to care for our family and the call to devote time to mission and service well Phil when I was thinking about this I I imagined Philip doing missions with his family and with his girls because I think how could he balance both you know, having a family and at the same time um, being this evangelist that the Bible describes him as, I think he had, I'm guessing he ought to have gone out with his girls and both spending time with them, caring for them, teaching them how, because they prophesied, the Bible says that all four daughters were, they, I think, prophesied, right? Yes. That's right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it shows that I, I'm guessing they did a lot of things together for them to be for them to at least want to be a part of his their dad's ministry. It's like coming back to even our family. We've we've moved from one place to another so many times. I mean, like mm -hmm. like you said, I don't know what what home to call home except yeah. for where we are. But as a family, wherever we went, we did things together, whether it was, you know, house chores or whether it was unpacking or packing things, we did things together collectively as a family. I think and I think that's what Philip is doing too. Whatever he's doing, if it's God's work, we're going to do this as a family. Mm -hmm. We're going to spread God's word as a family, even if it's my mission to do it, but I'm going to bring my family with me. Mm. You know, both my parents work in the church, like not, not just like my mom or my dad, but both of them. And so they are constantly, you know, having that struggle. Like, how do they take care of me and my sister, but at the same time doing the important work of mm -hmm. God? Mm. And... Yeah, at the same thing. They took they took me and my sister to work a lot, especially when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Now that we're older, it's not as not as interesting to go to work with your parents, and people kind of look at you weird if you're you know in college and going to work with your parents. But 
Well, you do, right? I still do. I wasn't going to bring that up. I figured that would just kind of slide under the table. Well, I work, I work now. But, you know, it's just, it's, all, it's like everything else in life that you have to find a balance. Yeah. You can't always be doing one thing and neglect another, but you also can't do that other thing and neglect the first thing. And, you know, it's just, it's a struggle that everyone has with a lot of things, just trying to find what is the perfect uh, balance mm. between my home and my job. Mm. I can go beyond ministry, just mm. home and yeah. work. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just spend all their time at work. They don't, they don't, I don't want to say they don't care about their children, but they just, they ignore them because they're trying to build up like their wealth for their family, for their kids to eat. Mm. It's just... And I agree because you bring up a very good point. It's, it's seen not just in ministry, but it's mm -hmm. seen around the world where Everywhere. people put the priority on building up their careers or wealth. And, and not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think mm -hmm. if you don't have that balance, then you're putting one thing above the others. And I feel like, you know, to me, Philip just seems like a great person because he has this amazing ministry. He's mentioned in the Bible. He's mentioned as an evangelist. But it also shows that he kind of has a great family as well mm -hmm. because they grew up and, and learned to love God and continued it. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if he had that balance where, you know, he was an evangelist and that was his life, but he also was a father. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time being a father. And whether they were ministering together or whether it was focusing on the things that his daughters loved, like I, I wonder if, you know, he was the perfect family man as well, spending mm. time with his daughters. Mm. Trying to find the balance. And I think, I think, I'm guessing his ministry started in the home because I think when he um, maybe fell in love with Christ and found Christ, then he, that love overflowed to his family and I think eventually overflowed out, mm. you know, to yeah. other people and then they did things together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just, I wonder if he, if he at first, like maybe when they were younger, he would leave the house and he would do his ministry. And as they're older, they like decided to make the decision for themselves. Because a lot of times, like parents don't know if they're like trying to for if they're forcing their kids or if their kids really want to do it. But mm -hmm. I feel like like this was really their choice. Because you're saying they prophesied and they were they were active in the church as well. Mm -hmm. And that's just like another aspect of that. Like he made them like it, or he didn't make them like it, but they liked it. And uh, they weren't just doing it because their dad did it. He, he set the example it was as, their thing, yeah, I mind. love this, and I'm going to spread that love to my children. I'm going to show my children how to love it as well. And how many of us love the things that our parents love that oh, yeah. brought it into our family and showed us, you know, activities mm. or hobbies mm -hmm. or even just kind of passions in life? Mm -hmm. So in the first century church, like, which is what Philip was involved in, of course, like ministry was a very big thing. So... Christians were told to, to go to the ends of the world and the ends of the earth, and that meant geographically distant to Jerusalem. So what are our equivalent ends of the earth today? Hmm. You know, oddly enough, at least in my eyes, the ends of the earth is, well, one of the ends of the earth is back where they are now, uh, or where they were then. Uh, now is sort of become an end of the earth where we are, like, with all the conflict that's going on in the Middle East and stuff, that's, that's a really great place. Well, not safe, but great place to spread the gospel, a place that really needs it. Uh, it's, 
you know, we were talking earlier, like where is, where is the mission field? It's here, but again, it is also out there. Wherever, like wherever there are conflicts, wherever there is bad stuff, you can always go spread the message there. Mm -hmm. So when you first asked the question, I didn't, I didn't really know, but I thought about it a little bit, and I think it just it's, came to you. <laughs> it just came to me. No, I thought um, it could be maybe the ends of the earth, like the places. When I think ends, I think maybe like the hem, or you know, like an end. And I think country-wise, maybe the countries that don't um, don't have the gospel available to them, and um, maybe where the gospel isn't preached, or where there is no missionary, no one to share, you know, the word of God with. What I feel like in the first century church, like it, they had to get away from the mindset that, you know, the gospel and the good news was just for the Jewish community. I mean, mm. there had been centuries yeah. of thinking that this, like yeah. God had chosen the Jewish nation to be his people. Mm -hmm. And then, then it separated. And then it was more for like the entire world, Jews, Gentiles, everybody. And I even think, I think even today we get stuck in this idea that you know, I've heard the phrase that spiritually minded people like spiritually minded things. Mm -hmm. And to me, that always bugs me because I think like that limits us. Mm -hmm. That almost says that it's like up to this point are the people that want God and want that ministry. But all the people out here, they're not interested at all. <laughs> and I think it goes like when you think of the hem or the end, I feel like not just geographically speaking, but I feel like it's, it's even just within our society. It's maybe the younger generations that are leaving the church, that like they're towards the ends, they're on the fringe of the church. Mm. Or, you know, even just kind of like the, the people that are stuck in kind of culture and not really mm. interested in spiritual things. There are places in, in our own um, circle, our own daily life circle that we need to get to first, I'm assuming. Um, we, we tend to think that, okay, ends of the earth would be, um, third world countries or, you know, places where the gospel is not there at all. But it all starts in your own circle, in your own society, in your own neighborhood, you know. Get get to the gospel, get the gospel there first or try and get the gospel there first. I've been working on this to try to be more transparent and the same with all of my friends and not to change what I say or what I talk about with different mm -hmm. friends, but to be, you know, one person and, you know, to be spiritual with everyone and be, to be like Philip. Yeah. And that's a good point, so that people know who you are yeah. and that mm -hmm. you're always that person. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm glad you got that in. <laughs> and I want to thank you all for being with us for this vibrant discussion thank on you. Philip. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschool.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Phil Riley. <laughs>